<laughs> well, hello, kiddies. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. And you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Lights, camera, action! <laughs> I'm so scared. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, and Mike, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Uh, first of all, I just want to say appreciate everyone who's been listening to us, sticking with us. Uh, it's uh, it's truly an honor for me to work with these three uh, fine gentlemen. Uh, I truly have a good time doing this. I really appreciate it. Just wanted to say that off the rip. Um, tonight, we're doing another different type of horror movie. Um, we've, we've The past three films... We've kind of done different stuff, um, which has been kind of fun. This is another movie that I haven't seen personally until this past week. Um, this is the uh, 1999 Blair Witch Project. And yes, Jeremy Ireland, it's 1999. I apologize <laughs> for saying 1994. I said the wrong thing. <laughs> but um, general thoughts, honestly, I'll get deeper into my rating or review later. Wasn't a huge fan of the movie. I get its effect on the, the culture, the genre. Uh, horror in general, I get the the effect it had, but to me, I was not a huge fan. But um, Brian, what's your general thoughts on this film? If you give me just a second, I'll get a little bit deep here for you. But like, in my opinion, I think that horror is traditionally about confronting like your darkest fears, and I think Blair Witch doesn't do that. Instead, it shows us other people confronting theirs. I think there are three types of people uh, that uh, when it comes to this movie. Um, there's one people who get motion sickness really uh, really easily are going to hate this movie. Period. Like they're going to hate it. And I think the other the other two types of people there there's like me, the people who grew up then, uh, saw the movie then, and was part of the whole hysteria, and it kind of gave it an aura and and added something to the film that you know is it real? And that's something that this movie has to have. And I I, I realized that upon rewatching it. And the other type of people are younger people who, you know, you might fall into this category, but it's the people who grew up here in the hype of this film and but knew that it's not real and then watch it. And you're just like, is that it? It, it, That that's it. Nothing really happened. But so it's just, I think, the way that you you look at it. Um, Like I said, I fall into the second category where I grew up in it and I really appreciate it for being the period piece that it was. Yeah, um, that's a good point, Brian. Go ahead, Mike. Give us your general thoughts. Uh, I want I, man, it's almost like a shocker, I know, but it's kind of almost like Brian and me have the same brain, okay? And what I mean by that is we kind of have the same view on this movie is very divisive. Not in a bad way, but just the way people view this film is very divisive. Like Brian said, you could be put in probably three different categories. 
And I fall in the latter that you mentioned, Brian, where I, I, I know the hype. I knew the hype around the movie. I'd seen bits and pieces, but again, I was a giant puss as a younger person. And so I didn't, (laughs) and so I didn't see this movie until later after 2007 rolled around. So I was excited to see it because of all the hype. I'm like, well, now I'm not going to be scared. Let's go. Let's I expected something else, but I could still kind of appreciate its impact on horror. Uh, I don't, I don't hate this movie. I say that a lot. I know, but I don't love this movie either because it is slow. I like a good slow burn, but it is very, very, very slow. <laughs> it's, it's not slow with its camera movements, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but it's slow in in all the other ways. So again, I don't hate it. It's definitely, it definitely changed horror. For good or bad, or however you want to look at it, it's definitely one of those genre impact movies. When you think about genre impact, you think Halloween, you think, you know, the Poltergeist, you know, Exorcist, Amityville, those kind of movies, like those impactful movies. This is kind of one of those. It's not the first found footage movie. There's Cannibal Holocaust and, and other movies before it. But it definitely was the first one that really blew up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Go ahead, Drew. Uh I was the one of the ones that when it, I remember when it come out, remember when this movie come out, and just the insane amount of hype that was coming in with this movie when it came out. It made like I wanted to see it, you know, because I was I've always been a horror fan, so I was like, man, I can't wait to see this, can't wait to see this, you know. Got open the night tickets, went and seen it uh, when they finally put it out there, and watched it, and uh, big letdown. <laughs> Big letdown. And then mostly for me, the, the reason why it was a big letdown for me is just because of the camera movement. It was just too much for me. I couldn't focus really on the storyline. I couldn't focus on what the characters were talking about, what they were doing, what was going on. There's a lot of stuff that just kind of took me out of the movie because of that. But at the time, I mean, the hype around it was just insane. I mean, it was insane at that time. Uh, but overall, I, overall, I liked the movie. And if you really like kind of dissect the plot line, it's, it's actually a pretty... Good movie. It definitely changed the film. I mean, it, there's like a bunch of films that spawned off of this, you know, the found footage uh, genre. You know, you got VHS, you got, uh, you know, a couple of other ones. I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but Paranormal uh, definitely changed, yeah. definitely changed a lot. But, and then, the, and then they actually uh, improved upon. I was going to say, them. Part of this movie's weakness is that this is done better later to yes. me. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, the, oh, there's definitely, definitely, definitely some. There's definitely some better found footage movies that come out later, but that's hindsight. I know, but it hurts it in hindsight where there's definitely some really good found footage movies out there that do it a little bit better than this one does. Well, oh, it's even, a lot easier to piggyback off somebody that done it first, the first right, pioneer right. of it, than say well, Halloween you know, 78. Okay, still, you know, Halloween 78, I love, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you there's not better, just pure movies from filmmaking, from a technical, from all that stuff standpoint. But Halloween is just kind of special. It was the Godfather. This is kind of the Godfather of found footage outside of Hannibal Holocaust. Well, where you can say, I mean, even 2016 Blair Witch does better in a lot of aspects than this does. I mean, yes. this movie, you well, can just say, is, it's just it hits different at home than it was yes, at the it theater. Does. It hits yes, different it does. when there's not hype around it than it, than it yes. did back in the 90s. Yep. But you can't say that. To me, you can't say that about 2016 Blair Witch because... You know, that came out after all this stuff, no hype, everybody knows the internet, that all the, you know, the opposite of what happened here. And I think it hits perfect. I, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. No, it's a much better movie to me. 
I, I haven't seen 16. I, I know Brian told me I need to see it. I, I'm going to get to watching it. I think but, you would like it, Nico. I do too. But um, yeah, tonight we're going to try a tonight we're going to try a little different format because the scene by scene. I don't think I think all of us kind of agreed that it wasn't really the right way to break this movie down scene by scene because it kind of it's kind of just a cluster to me. It just kind of just is one big scene. So uh, we're gonna let uh, the producer Drew. He's gonna kind of read off a summary and. We're going to just give our thoughts on some, some you know, aspects of the movie. Go ahead, Drew, with that summary. All right, y'all can bear with me here. You know, it's a little bit. I'm going to try to get through it quickly. Basically, in October of 94, film students Heather, Mike, and Josh set out to produce a documentary about the fabled Blair Witch. So they traveled to Burkittsville, Maryland, interview residents about the legend. Locals tell them of Rustin Parr, a hermit who lived in the woods and kidnapped seven children in the 40s. Supposedly killing all of them on the order of the orders of the witch. After spending the night at a motel, the students explore the woods in North Burkittsville to research the legend. Along the way, they met two fishermen, one of whom warns them that the woods are haunted. He also tells them of a young girl named Robin Weaver who went missing in 1888. When she returned three days later, she talked about an old woman whose feet never touched the ground. His companion, however, is skeptical of the story. The students hiked to Coffin Rock, where five men were found ritualistically murdered in the 19th century. Their bodies later disappeared. The group camps for the night. They moved deeper into the woods the next day and locate what appears to be an old cemetery with seven small cairns and set up camp nearby. That night, they hear the sound of twigs snapping from all directions, but assume that the noises are from animals or locals. The following day, they try to hike back to the car, but are unable to find it before dark and make camp. They again hear twigs snapping at night, but fail to find the source of the noises. In the morning, they find that three have been built uh, around their tent during the night, which unnerves them. As they continue, Heather learns her map is missing. Mike later reveals he kicked it into the creek the previous day out of frustration, which prompts Heather and Josh to attack him in a rage. They realize they are now lost and decide to head south, using Mike's compass to guide them. They eventually reach a section where they discover a multitude of humanoid stick figures suspended from trees. They again hear sounds that night, including those of children laughing, among other strange noises. After an unknown force shakes the tent, they flee in panic and hide in the woods until dawn. Upon returning to their tent, they find that their possessions have been rifled through and Josh's equipment is covered with slime. As they continue, they come across a log on a river identical to one they crossed earlier. They realize they have walked in a circle, despite thinking they traveled south all day and once again make camp. Josh then suffers a breakdown while holding the camera, taunting Heather for their circumstances and her constant recording of the events. Josh disappears the next morning, and Heather and Mike try in vain to find him before slowly proceeding. That night, they hear Josh's agonized screams in the darkness, but are unable to locate him. Mike and Heather then theorize that Josh's scream are a fabrication by the witch to draw them out of their tent. The next day, outside her tent, Heather discovers a bundle of sticks tied with a piece of fabric from Josh's shirt. As he searches through it, she finds blood-soaked scraps of Josh's shirt as well as teeth, hair, and what appears to be a piece of his tongue. Although distraught by the discovery, she chooses not to tell Mike. That night, Heather records herself apologizing to her family and to Mike's and Josh's family, taking full responsibility responsibility for their predicament. 
They again hear Josh's agonized cries for help and follow them to a derelict abandoned house containing demonic symbols and children's bloody handprints on the wall. Mike races upstairs to find Josh while Heather follows. Mike says he hears Josh in the basement. He runs downstairs while hysterical Heather struggles to keep up. Upon reaching the basement, an unseen force attacks Mike, causing him to drop his camera and go silent. Heather enters the basement screaming, and her camera captures Mike facing a corner. Suddenly, the same unseen force attacks Heather, causing her to drop her camera and go silent as well. And then the footage ends. That's why we couldn't break this That's down. That's why you down. can't do it scene by scene, because it's really just kind of one long run-on scene. And so, you're right. It, that was actually a good idea. I'm glad we didn't try to do scene by scene. Yeah, uh, You did a good job, Drew, in my opinion. Hopefully, I didn't nobody fall asleep. No, you're good. Oh, no, you're good, brother. So, okay. We kind of have, like Nico mentioned, we have a different format. We're going to kind of go around and, and, and talk about a few points of the movie and, and the, you know, the marketing campaign, the hype, and all the other stuff that we have to talk about. So I guess I'll go first since the thing you sent me had me go first. Um, so the marketing was <laughs> huge. The marketing was this movie, okay? And so you got to remember 1998 when they're hyping this movie going into 1999 – the internet is not what we have here today where I can call you and look at you and, and we can talk about this movie. It was very still in it. It's not, not brand new, but in its infancy. And so there most was people, one, most people had dial up, like, yes. you know, winding up like an old phone. So, but there was a website. It was really the first viral movie campaign ever mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. far as that goes. So it broke ground there. Um, they did a great job with it. They, you could go to the website and you could research uh, facts about what happened. You could look at uh, journals and diaries from Heather. I mean, they even talked about. I mean, the parents of these actresses and actors got grievance cards, sympathy cards about these three dying. Um, and look, they put up missing flyers. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of secrecy about the movie, and they did a really good job marketing and i don't know if they mark if, if they didn't do that this movie would have done as well because again the hype probably and i can understand if you're going to see this for the first time and you're not like a horror like a true horror fan like us you just hear the hype mm-hmm. the hype had to deal in how you felt about this movie like if you really fit like love this movie the marketing was definitely the reason it, it had to be because, oh, without a doubt. Like the marketing, you got to think it actually probably pulled in people that just wanted to find out if it, you know, what happened. You know, right. this is this is so right. different type of movie. Right. Just off the, just off the information you could find from it. So I don't really know if we wanted to wait until later, but I guess I'm because we're talking about the marketing. Let's talk about the profit margin real quick. So I could never find a real like a real deal amount of how much they spent to make this movie like an actual finite amount because I don't think they know. If Brian, if someone has it, okay, what was the actual amount? Well, I, you I was looking it? in an interview. I was looking in an interview on, on one of the directors. It was like 85K. Is okay, what they see, spent. this one says 60K. So we really yes. don't know. Yeah. yeah, 60 is what I heard too. Yeah, so. see, so we, no, there's really no good way to know. Well, so let's just say anywhere from fifty to $80,000. Well, mm-hmm. it made $150 million. So it's it set the record for profit margin in a theater movie all time, breaking Halloween 78's record. It's kind of funny that they're both horror films. That's kind of funny. But, <laughs> I, I mean, the marketing in this movie was huge, man. 
and I, <laughs> I, I can't really say enough that viewing this movie in hindsight, not getting to kind of experience that, I definitely, mm-hmm. I definitely get mm-hmm. a little sad about that. I, I feel like I missed something. There's no doubt about it. And I remember it. Don't get me wrong. Like I remember it. But again, I was a big giant pussy that wouldn't go watch it. So that's kind of what happened there. You know, if you actually would have looked, uh, you could have Googled some of this is what I did when I was sitting there figuring out some of the ways we could talk about it. It's like if you actually Googled some of the uh, newspapers, like local newspapers, right. how they're talking about this. There was so much back and forth between real or hoax. You know, what what's right. this? Well, how, how's this? Is this true? What, where where is uh, movie making going from now? Uh, it was it was just so much hype, and I can still remember it. Still remember it, right? And and to me, that is kind of why. I mean, and this is hindsight being older now. But if I, if they tried to do this movie now, you couldn't do it. Oh, it's one. Flop. There's too much internet. Two, you can't pull me into a movie thinking that you're going to really kill people on screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I understand in '98 and '99. Why someone might, man, 98, 99, wild time. You might really put some real deaths on the screen. Because, I mean, that's, 98, 99 is kind of when true crime became, a, started to really kind of set itself apart with A&E having their you know documentaries and stuff. So I feel like that makes more sense then than it does now. And the other found footage movie we talked about, Cannibal Holocaust, people thought they really did kill people on screen in that movie. I mean, they had a court case about it and everything. So I could see where they were coming from, but you mentioned true story or hoax. People going into this movie had no idea, not a clue. They thought it was real. Majority of people that sat down in their seat thought this movie was a real deal. Holyfield. Which that's kind of cool. That's the draw for it. I believe right. that's Oh, that's a great it. draw, by the way. Great idea. Great marketing campaign. I'll stop rambling. Let somebody else go. But like you said, you've talked about true story or hoax. I mean, hindsight, duh, not real. But – at the time, I totally understand why someone would think it was a true story. Great job marketing. So let me ask you a question, Mike, since on that. So uh, do, you, do you feel like your your ranking of this movie at the end would have reflected differently if you would have been a caught up in the hype back then? 1,000%. I, I, I get that way with other movies. So when I rank – so when we rank our Halloween series, the reason 2018 is so high – it's because I was I was watching and studying the the stuff coming out about that movie for two years, mm. like that's how long I was hooked. Kind of like Brian with Freddy versus Jason, where I'm following along, I'm waiting, I'm it's finally here, it's finally here. It's number two for me because I'm still I'm still caught up in that hype. So yes, the long winded answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, I go now uh, in the format. Drew sent me. He asked, you know, he basically asked us two questions. Uh, you know, kind of just explain how this movie was made, the marketing, how much it made. Um, and the first question he asked me was the cost to make versus the return on investment. I'm just going to piggyback off of what Mike said. Uh, the, info, the, the info I wrote down was they had a $60,000 budget. And I'm guessing the number I got, this is a worldwide number. It made $248.6 million. Yeah, you're right. So, worldwide. So, That's uh, a great number. See, and the thing, that's the thing, that's why a lot of horror movies honestly suffer so bad, like bad ones. Like, like we just did a bonus episode of, J- of the Friday the 13th rankings, and the reason that Jason takes Manhattan wasn't in Manhattan more was because the budget was so low they couldn't go there. Because mm-hmm. horror movies above a lot of other genres, you can make them for dirt cheap and then make a huge profit off of them. 
just because of the genre. You know, you can use cheap tactics to make money off of it. Um, I, the, the, I was going to read a little bit of, of pre-stuff before I actually get into the full numbers. Um, the, the Blair Witch Project premiered January 25th, 1999 at Sundance, Music Fe- or Sundance Film Festivals. Um, then there was a limited release on July 14th. Then it went worldwide on July 30th. The film earned $1.5 million in limited release weekend. And, and uh, the third weekend that the movie was out, it made $29.2 million. And, that was, and that's from being shown at a 1,101 locations. That's in the third weekend making $29.2 million. You know, $29 million in 2019 in the first weekend is a huge weekend right. outside yeah. of like outside of like your Marvel movies or right. um, you know your uh, Star Wars, uh, you know like it. You know, twenty nine point two million dollars in nineteen ninety nine, and your third weekend is pretty incredible. And and uh, I actually have, I, I guess I'll use one of my fun facts now that I because I only watched this movie once. Um, I didn't want to pay for the Prime Video again, <laughs> so I kind of spent my day on YouTube watching, you know, reviews, um, you know, fun behind-the-scenes stuff. And I watch a, a film YouTuber. His name—I'm sure some of you heard of him. He's pretty uh, big on there. His name is Chris Stuckman. Yeah. Um. He uh he, he he threw out a fun fact I thought was kind of cool that one of the cameras that the uh, cast members actually used. They actually took it back to Circuit City, Circuit City. After, after, <laughs> after they filmed this movie to get their Cheap money back. Ass mother- <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So That's good thrifty filmmaking, about. though. So, so talking about thriftiness, so right. I, I respect it. You know, yeah, I mean, heck, Circuit City, Circuit City's not even open no more. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> and um, the second question that uh, Drew uh, gave to me to answer was, uh, how do they come with the casting? And I'm just going to read up kind of the development before they actually the before I found the casting, uh, the only info I could find. Uh, development of the Blair Witch Project began in 1993, uh, while film students at uh, University of Central Florida, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, hey, they were inspired to make the film after realizing that they found documentaries on paranormal phenomena scarier than traditional horror films. Uh, the two they decided to create this film with a combination of both styles of those films. Uh, to produce the project, you know, they had some friends join along and they created the, uh, I, I guess the company, Haxon Films, to produce this movie. Um, Myrick and Sanchez, they developed a 35-page screenplay for their fictional film intending, uh, and, the, and the whole dialogue is intended to just be uh, improvised. And uh, I got this information from uh, mentalfloss.com as my source. I don't want to be plagiarized or nothing if anybody big hears this. <laughs> you never know. Uh, actress Heather Donahue, she remembers reading an ad in Backstage Magazine that said, an improvised feature film shot in wooded location. It is going to be hell, and most of you reading this probably shouldn't come. So um, first of all, before I get into the meat of that, uh, I'm sure that probably scared away a bunch of people because they're not trying to be hiding in the woods. Uh, not trying to probably, they probably don't want to improvise at all either because right. improv is kind of a, you know, that's kind of a gift in my opinion. It is. I, I mean, it's it's not really something, I mean, you can teach it, I guess, but improv to me is just kind of a, um, it's a skill. But um, in order to test the improv- improvisational skills of the candidates, as soon as each p- potential actor entered the room, 
he or she was immediately told by one of the directors, you've been in jail for the last nine years. We're the parole board. Why should we let you out? If the actor, if the actor or actress even hesitated for a moment, the directors concluded their audition. Hmm. I think that's wow. a pretty, pretty is, strict yes, way of uh, casting, um, you know, your actors and actresses. I think that's pretty intense. I, mean, I couldn't imagine, you know, imagine walking into a job interview and you got to feed your family, pay your bills. And as soon as you sit down, you're just getting hit. Boom. And you got to start answering. You know, you don't even have the time to take a breath or nothing. That's just that's pretty intense to me. Yeah, I, I, I looked at a lot of the ways they uh, how they done it. I didn't even hear that. So my uh, little section was a little bit about the legacy and, and how, how the movie changed horror. Um, obviously, this film is groundbreaking. Um, it started the found footage genre, which is not, you know, I mean, like, like we talked about a little bit earlier. I mean, there's not that many you can think of right off the top of your head, but, you know, it's probably a little bit more than you think. Um, to me, it's, you know, it's the 21st century's exorcist. I mean, it, it really is a, is a period film like we right. talked about earlier, like without the hype, without the is this real, it's it, it falls a little bit more flat than than it would have then. Um, you know, I don't again, it's the period, period film. Well, I think we'll never have we'll never have a Blair Witch again, because mm-hmm. even though the 2016 Blair Witch movie was was great, I think it was great. You know, it was, you know, it's the a, an absolute follow up to this movie, an exact sequel to this movie. But, you know, it's. We'll never have the same thing again because we'll never have early internet again. We'll never have, you know, message boards, you know, on dial up and AOL message boards going back and forth asking people, do you think it's real or do you think it's not? Um, I was in 10th grade when this movie came out. So, you know, I know for a fact we barely had AOL dial up. Um, you picked somebody picked up the phone in the house and it would internet and you'd have a gigantic war in the house. Um, you know, plus everybody believes the internet or believed the internet back then nowadays everything's new nobody believes anything out there so um, like market or like mike said the marketing was amazing and my the biggest thing and i'll i'll kind of go off a little bit here but you know while you can argue that nothing really happens in the film um you can't argue the sense of realism uh, and the acting of the three main cast members in this movie because mm-hmm. yep, their acting yep. is tremendous. Yes, because, the acting uh, is great. Yep. So you can't you can't even argue that. I mean, surveys were done at Sundance and other places back then. You know uh, whether people really believed it or didn't believe it, and uh, mo- the majority of people believed that it was real. And that is not even an option. That would right. never ever have happened if the performances on the screen weren't hundred uh, percent believable. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. And and like you said. No, nothing really happens. And that's another reason why we can't break it down scene by scene. Well, the final act, something kind of happens. But but it does add to, and I could see it. I'm, I'm, so when I watch this movie, I always try to put myself back in the theater in 1999, the best that I can. Mm-hmm. And try to view it from that. Because if I just watch it now, it just looks like shaky home footage bullshit. I'm, I'm, I'm just keeping it real. But I understand how the realism makes it scarier in 1999 in sitting in a dark-ass theater. Lights come down, shaky title screen comes up, says Blair Witch Project. Oh, shit. Like, this is... And so it starts out really real. The acting, it's really hard. I think it's probably harder than most people realize to play, to play like 
you're not playing, if that makes sense. Yeah, acting like you're not acting. Yeah, to act like you're not acting is, yeah. is a really hard acting skill to do. And I think all three did it really well. I'm glad you said that, Brian, because I think the acting in this movie is great. Hey, Mike, um, before anybody else goes, I just got – did any of y'all write the taco fun fact? Say it. Mm. Go. Uh, about about the staying in you know, character, all the three characters agreed during the filming to stay in character the whole time, like night, day, everything. Right. And the only time they could break character is when they use the code word taco. Taco is their safe word. I love it. That's, uh, that's yeah. good though. That's dedication to the to uh that's commitment, you know, to to the film. I, I, I give them props for that. Dude, they they used rations on their food. Like yep. they were like they sent them out to the woods with and you know, each each day that passed the rations got a little bit less, obviously. And so the experience like what they're experiencing, what you're seeing is still real. Like oh, yeah. yeah. Like this stuff surrounding the movie isn't real, but the acting you're seeing, you know you're in a movie, but some of that stuff you see is legitimate how how they were feeling at that time. Yeah, and I mean, even though they had a script, I mean, they still, the actors, they used GPS trackers to find the instructions for what they were going to be doing for that day. Yep. Um, you know, they had waypoints programmed in the GPS units for the actors to go locate milk crates with three little plastic canisters in them and each plastic canister contained notes on where the story was going for each actor who would not show the other two their paper so at that point they were free to improvise the dialogue and i mean that's to me i mean that's groundbreaking even for today's standards much less you know in 1999 so yeah it was no matter what happened during the day it was like okay i gotta prepare for this you didn't know what to prepare for you were just like right. oh, okay this is what i'm doing now yeah i i really just don't know what to it, it definitely. I, I can understand it being hyped back then, right? But um, oh, it's not good now. I mean, I, I, mean, I tried my best, you know, to put myself in the theater, but uh, it's a lot different being in the theater in 1999 watching this than instead of laying in your bed after a long day of work on Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, um, yeah. And Brian makes a good point, Nico. That the 2016 sequel is really good. Like it kind of takes the best stuff from the original, mm-hmm. and and adds some good modern stuff to it to make it a better movie. Like it's shot better. The you know there's some sound stuff they do better. The script to me is better, which is I, I know there's not a script per se, but yeah. the plot is better at least to me. And it, it is a direct follow up to this original movie. So, well, and it's and it's like you said earlier, it's not just. The Blair Witch fall, uh, 20, 20, 2016 one that, that does it better. You know, Paranormal Activity did it yeah, better. Yeah, they and do they a great are, job. I they love that do movie. It, and, you know, and these movies do it without having to rely on people believing that it's real or not. Right. You know what I mean? It, so it is definitely a period piece, but there's nothing before that. There was nothing for, right. you know, Paranormal Activity had this movie to be like, okay, what they do right? What can I do, you know, right. what can I do the same to do it? So right. it's, I mean, I, I think... I think it's, and that's why I appreciate it so much. Again, like you said, it's different when you experienced it the way that I experienced it back then versus, you know, trying to watch it for the first time now, which, you know, 2016 was just three or four years ago. And that's, right. you know, when that movie came out and it was great. So, you know. Right. You know, there's one thing that I've learned after doing this uh, show with you guys is um, just about myself personally, but um nostalgia really plays a big uh deal for me 
Oh, and yeah. I really did Most not people. understand that until, until we started talking it out loud. Right. Like, uh, 1000%. Like, like, like me and Brian had two totally different experiences with Freddie versus Jason. He was really disappointed with it, but I really loved it because of just our age difference and right. our understanding of what we were watching. So, um, I try, I try, I tried to use that for, in my film writing of this, but I'm just judging this. I'm, I'm just judging this off what I watched the other night. I, I, I that's just me though. Oh, I was just gonna say when I was sitting there watching it, uh, we watched it Thursday night. My daughter, uh, she's 13. She lo- loves watching with me, and uh, she's like, "What are we gonna watch tonight?" And I told her the Blair Witch, and then I kind of got pissed off at Carla because she kind of. She's like, yeah, this was people that, you know, went out to the thing. They thought it was fake, but it really wasn't fake. I was like, oh, why, why are you going to sit there and bust it up right now? I was like, she doesn't know anything about this. She's just going to sit there and watch it for the first time. You just gave it to her. It made me so mad. But anyway, she watched Spoiler it. alert. Exactly. Spoiler. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, we're sitting there watching it, and I kid you not, my daughter looks over to me. She goes, Dad, this movie's lame. <laughs> and I was like, okay. It is I'm rough. Saying, I can understand that because it took a little while, you know, watching it then and then watching it now. Like watching it back then, I would have, and you would have asked me to rank it, I would have probably did it like a 7.5. Right. I am nowhere near that right now. (laughs) Easily would have done it. But I would rate the new one that high. I would. I absolutely would. So there is a difference between the two. Uh, Real quick, I wanted to hit on. I think, and I might have said this in our Scream episode, maybe I did, I don't remember. But I think this movie kind of suffers from Scream Syndrome, where there's been so much imitation of this movie and the I'm so scared right now scene. And so many different movies that it's a joke now. You know what I mean? And I think that like Scream with Scary Movie, this movie kind of suffers from that being done so many damn times. Like you don't even hardly remember the original Half the time you remember the damn scary movie two with the snot bubble. Like that's normally yeah. what a lot of people remember now instead of the actual scene. So uh, I think it kind of hurts. That kind of hurts it as well. And, and that, and that might just be me personally, but I've seen it imitated so many times. I'm like, ah, eh, okay. You know, no scare here with me. I get kind of, I kind of laugh at some of the stuff. Well, and that should speak to, I mean, hey, we're going to hype up 2016 Blair Witch, and Nico's going to be like, what the hell, when he watches it? I know. He's not, not I, near as good like as I really do think he'll like it. I do think he will like this one. But, I mean, that speaks to, to 2016 Blair Witch, whereas, like, they have to get through all those parodies of right. the Blair Witch Project, and, you know, they do. Right. Nick, I'll pay for the $4 rental fee, dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Mike brought up a good point earlier. Um about you know this this movie's effect on the genre because this movie really brought found footage back because like he brought up earlier cannibal holocaust was like the first found footage movie it was you know and and, you know blair witch suffered some of the same things or not nearly to the extent but like they were ready to arrest the director of cannibal holocaust like they 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 legitimately thought like all the stars of that movie like were either dead or gone um, they actually had to like find them and bring them to the court, or, you know, to the court hearing, just to just for them to prove that the guys from Cannibal Holocaust weren't dead. Right. I mean, this movie, this movie really brought you know this genre, it brought it back to life. I mean, it, it's not you know it's not Halloween. You know, Halloween was 
the birth of the slasher, in my opinion. Of course. Um, but but Cannibal Holocaust, you know, was kind of like the birth of found footage. But um, I know it's kind of weird maybe to compare this to Jesus, but, you know, this – but the Blair Witch Party is kind of like the resurrection of it, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. No, that's um, a oh, right. No, that's an apt comparison. Because Cannibal Holocaust did shit on it. You're right. But I mean, they they both suffer. Like I said, they both suffer the same things. You know, they thought. You know, like Mike brought up, like uh, Heather's mom got you know sympathy cards, thinking her her, her daughter was dead. But you know, but I, I think I just think that's interesting. How you know. I mean, this movie is a genre changer. I, I'm not going to discredit it for that. But. Right. No, I yeah. mean, right, right. You compared it to Halloween, Nico. Halloween's not the first slasher, but it's the it was the best done slasher at the time. Oh yeah, it was the one. It was the big. It was the best, the most well done one. So it, it is the grandfather of slasher. Like you can throw Black Christmas in there, but most people don't remember Black Christmas like that. They remember yeah. Halloween '78. So kind of like with this. A lot of people don't remember Cannibal Holocaust unless you're kind of a film junkie or saw it or, you know, you've seen it since, which is actually kind of hard to find. I didn't know that, so I tried to watch it one time. Um, this is not I'm hard more, to find. Most people I'm, know this movie, like, a lot. I, I borderline barely even consider Cannibal Holocaust even a horror movie. I it's consider not, it more of like a, a documentary it's a snuff, style. It's a film, yeah, man. a snuff documentary yeah. type. Yeah, it's a snuff film. But, but yeah, it definitely... Re- I guess it's the first maybe horror uh, found footage film, maybe you could say. But I don't know. That's scary. just my opinion. Right, right. That's just my opinion on Cannibal Holocaust. I mean, right. I've never seen it, but, you know, I've watched reviews on it and, you know, ranking of most disturbing movies and all that. <laughs> Brian, do you want to knock out your fun facts and I'll go then Mike and rant? <laughs> sure. It's, um, it's just a small rant. I may, sure. We may have some of the same stuff wrote down too. So yeah. if I, I'll just cross mine off if you, if you read yours first. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so a, a lot of the big complaints about this movie from some people are is that the Blair Witch is not in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, the Blair Witch was supposed to be in the movie because apparently Cross there is a up. scene where yeah, there's a scene where uh, you know Heather and uh, is it Mike uh, runs out of the tent screaming, "You what the fuck was that?" Well, the cameraman's supposed to pan to the left to show a woman in a white dress on the hill, which is the Blair Witch, but he never really panned over enough for them to do that and. That they never reshot it. So huh. um, I think that I think that if you and I, I've seen still screenshots. I've never taken the time to do it myself of the very end scene when they're in the basement that you're supposed to be able to pause it just right and maybe see some sort of shadowy figure of the Blair Witch. But I've never done that. Never seen anything except you know those um, screenshots on the internet. But you know, like I said, you can believe everything on the internet. So right. Um, the uh, the teeth in the twigs were actually human teeth. Yeah. Um. They were supplied by uh. uh was it Eduardo Sanchez's dentist? The hair. The hair was Josh's actual real hair as well. Um. And that is it for me. All right. Uh, you read off my two, Nico. Go ahead, Nico. He read off the <laughs> ones I had. <laughs> okay. So I wrote five of them down. One of them we already said uh, about Heather's mom receiving sympathy cards. Uh, the first one I have is it took eight days to shoot the film, but eight months to edit it. They had 19 to 20 hours of footage, then it was trimmed down to two and a half hours. And the scenes that were not used in the theatrical release were used for the, the faux documentary on sci-fi and yep. on the website. Um, the three actors, actresses were paid $1,000 a day. Um, the sign to Burkittsville has been stolen three times, one of which was on the opening night of the movie. 
<laughs> and the last fun fact that I have wrote down is Heather told Fangoria magazine that the final scene was so terrifying for her, she kept hyperventilating and crying long before or long after the shoot was over. Wow. That's so, pretty interesting. That's crazy. So, Nico, so to, fo- to, to follow off of that, did you happen to see like was did they get any royalties off this movie? It was just a thousand dollars a day. That was it. No, they no, they got plenty of royalties. Yeah, I about to say they're probably still getting them, dude. Okay, well, I was just wondering. I was kind of wondering if maybe you knew that or not. Okay, I will do my best not to take too long. So, so when I get <laughs> bored, I like to go down rabbit holes on YouTube sometimes if I ever had the time. And one of those rabbit holes I go down are movie theories. You know, like the ten crazy movie theories fans made up. You know, such stuff like that. I, I like to go down that rabbit hole. And I found one a long time ago that kind of changes the way I, I view this movie. And I think it's really good, and it's actually really well thought out. Okay, so I'm going to try to, do, to just do some bullet points. The theory is that Josh and Mike are the killers, that there is no Blair Witch. Uh, I think there's a lot of good evidence to actually support this. Okay, for one, we never see the witch, and I know she was supposed to be in the film, but we never see the witch. Okay, so that kind of helps out a little bit. As far as we never actually see what this shadowy thing looks like. So that kind of helps. They use the um, the urban legend of the witch to lure Heather out there. And I and you're kind of wondering why would they lure Heather? Well, if you go on the website from back in the day and, and they have those journals and diaries, she mentions – or the person that writes these as Heather mentions the fact that her and Josh have a pre-existing friendship slash maybe kind of a relationship that didn't right. quite work out. And right. then Mike – she. We see in the movie, Mike's a total fucking stranger. She doesn't know Mike. Okay. Okay. But she does know Josh. And there could be some bad blood there. Maybe. Okay. This kind of works for my theory, so I'm going to use it. (laughs) Um, So that kind of helps. Okay. And then you get to the map scene. Where Mike kicks the map. Or or, or we don't know what happened to the map. But she thinks that Josh was the last one to have the map. Well, Josh says, no, I gave it back to you. And that... By the way, that scene is dog shit. If we're talking about scenes that suck, then where's the map? Where's the map? Where's Okay. Anyway, but we find out Mike kicks the map. Why would Mike kick the map? Why would I know that maybe you're being led to believe they're possessed, but to me, it seems more logical that they're in on the plot to kill this girl. That's kind of where I'm coming from with Mike kicking the map. So then they're using the compass. Well, who has the compass? Mike, the guy who kicked the map into the river. They're following Mike's directions now. Well, Mike's leading them down a path to this house. Okay. And by the way, I'll cover the sound effects really quick. So the sound stuff that you hear, the, you know, the cackling and, and the, you know, the outside stuff. Well, guess who the sound guy is? Mike. Guess when all this stuff happens? When they're asleep or when Heather's asleep. Okay. So scratch that one off. You see the, the piles of rocks? Is that really supernatural, or is that Mike and Josh piling up stones outside the tent? I'm just saying. You think about that, okay? I talked about the diary, okay? I talked about um, all the stuff happening. And by the way, Heather is suspicious of Mike and Josh in this movie. She kind of points it out, where flames are licking you like the... Oh, it says, flames are licking you like the devil there, Josh. Like... Trying to insinuate that something might be going on here. Because there is a point where Mike and Josh's mood change. Where everyone's flipping out. We lost the map. We lost the map. And now Mike and Josh are cool. 
And Heather's like, y'all are having way too much fun with this, man. What's going on here? Okay. The end to me is really the, is what seals the deal. So they lure Heather into the house. They're kind of like, come on, come on, Heather. Okay. Well, we, we lose Josh or is it Mike that we lose? So I, I, I get the two freaking confused, but we lose one of them. They're supposedly Josh. dead. Okay, hair, hair and teeth could easily be anybody's hair and teeth that they had. It could literally be anything. So I'm not going to count. Again, we see the other one later on. So as we're going into the house, they lead her up the stairs. Why would they do that? Well, it's the furthest damn thing away from the cellar. For, for one of them to get down there into the cellar and hide. And then all of a sudden you hear a noise and the other one takes off and leaves Heather upstairs. And they're kind of falling down and the camera's kind of falling down, falling around. And the next thing you see, wait, so Josh is there, right? So Mike disappears. You see his camera fall. Mike disappears. But it, then he's standing in a corner. And then someone comes up from behind and sneak attacks Heather. Now, what makes more sense than being possessed by a witch or this being a huge plot where Mike lure, lures her in, standing in the corner, and right there behind her is Josh, who's not ever really dead. By the way, what gets them to go into this house is Josh's screams. Mm-hmm. So it's either a witch or it's Josh. It's it's one or the other. So to me, the whole and by the way, the reason they filmed it is it looks like all three of them are dead. They leave the film to be found and they get the hell out of town. And that's a good cover up for people that don't want to be found. Oh, they're dead. Oh well, too bad. Boom. Theory. Shut. I think Mike and Josh are the killers. Which doesn't okay. exist. I think that's a good I mean it's definitely plausible theory until I think twenty six <laughs> I think twenty sixteen Blair Witch I know it a does lot of holes in that though. Because of all the, the, the no, paranormal right. stuff you see. Right. No, no, you're absolutely right. Twenty sixteen is a really good sequel because it does help this film. But if you just look at that standalone movie no, and by I, the it, way, the even the director kind of commented on we don't really know what happened at the end there. So to me, if we're just looking at that original film, could easily be Josh and Mike are just murderers, man. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I'm done. I've said my piece. All, all I learned from your little theory there is I'm never going to trust Mike ever again. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Sounds like Kevin Williamson wrote this film, though, by the way. Exactly. How you, well. How you just, you just played that out. <laughs> That's why you like it so much. It's a movie within a movie, pal. What can I say? <laughs> I don't care what y'all say. Josh and Mike, fuck you. Team, fuck you. <laughs> oh. Wow. Uh, hey, Marcus, Mike, are those your two uh, go-to-hell characters? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Dude, Josh and Mike are the worst in this movie. They kick them out. Dude, they suck. Yeah. They oh, do. God, they yeah. could go to hell. Hey Drew, <laughs> hey, Drew, if them two is going to keep going, I was going to say y'all keep going because I ain't seen 16. I could barely watch this first one, so y'all just hit, y'all just have at it. I'm just listening now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good now. No, I'm good. Let's go. No, nah, I mean, great. Want- I never, I see, I never even ventured down the road of like the conspiracy theory behind these. So, like, I wouldn't even. So, with you telling me that was like a whole new learning thing for me, just me too. Uh, here, there's videos. I, I never do went down that road with it. Right, there's videos that do a better job than me. I guess you can check those out. But just, I mean, that's just kind of the general synopsis is they lure her into the woods they make it seem like it's the Blair Witch and I mean she wants to be a documentary filmmaker she is a documentary filmmaker so they use that against her oh why don't you document this urban legend and then they kind of lure her into the woods lure her into the house and just kill her I guess the one big poke a hole 
could be they could have just lured her into the woods and chopped her up into a bunch of little pieces and killed her. I guess that's kind of the the hole you could poke through it. But then that's not as fun. Josh and Mike are the killers. It's not Peace as out. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys want to do? Y'all want to jump into our ratings? That yeah, yeah. Totally with that. And do our favorite kills. Oh wait. Oh wait. <laughs> this is our first first review without one. That's, no, it's not the first review without. No, one. Am, well, Amityville kind of did at the beginning, but we didn't pick nothing just because. Well, I mean, you know, it's just, the, the whole family got killed. That so I mean. Yeah. If we rated I, our favorite kill, we'd probably be uh, a bit disturbed. <laughs> oh, we did rate our favorite kill though. I think I'm like ninety percent sure we ended up rating it. Not that. Uh, it I'll, I'll go first with my rate. I'll go ahead and go shit all over this movie real quick. Um, <laughs> all right. So if there's any Blair Witch Project super fans, um, anybody in the Drew it and Brian generation, um, I, I'm really not trying to piss y'all off or nothing, but this is just 28-year-old me reviewing it who didn't watch this movie until December 2019. Um, I wrote, This is what I wrote down. I did not see the film in all of its glory when it released in theaters. I didn't see it when it was hyped. I didn't see it when there was, you know, marketing about these actors and actually missing. So I, I didn't, I wasn't a part of that. I mean, I was in second grade maybe when that, when this movie came out. Eight. You were eight, yeah, bro. I mean, yeah, you know. I don't, it just what, went what 20 years this eight? year. Damn. I, I don't remember I was doing eight years old. I wasn't watching Blair Witch or, you know, worried about the marketing of this movie. Um, I wrote, I'm not a huge found footage film fan, honestly. Um, I read this may have been scary and horrifying in 1999, but in 2019, it just felt like a waste of an hour and 20 minutes to me. Uh, the only scene I even somewhat liked was Heather's crying monologue. But even after that, it just cuts to another scene in the woods with all three of them. So it kind of just, it had me there. Then it just lost me right after that. Um, I said it was a genre changer, true, but it does nothing for me personally. Uh, Especially I if you weren't alive. <laughs> if, you, if you weren't really alive and kicking that much during the genre, then it doesn't really make a difference how much it changes. I mean, I, mean, I, wouldn't, go, I, I wouldn't go out of my way to rewatch this ever again. Um, mm. And in my opinion, it's just a one hour and 20 minute shaky camera of nothing. Um, I gave the movie a four out of ten, and uh, this is why I gave it a four. I gave it one point for the creativity from the two directors of making it. I do give them credit for the 35 pages and all that. I give them one point for the three actors and actresses. They did a good job of acting and improvising. I gave it one point for Heather's monologue because I did like it. And I gave it one point for its effect on the genre. So I gave it a four out of ten. That's that's decent enough with it. That's decent enough with it. Like with me, uh, my rankings on this one is kind of kind of like the last show we had with Brian. Uh, you know, the duo ranking. You got your ninety nine ranking, and then you got your now ranking. And ninety nine, I would give this easily a seven point five, easily, easily. But the way we talk about uh, ranking on this show with us together is, you know, staying power. You know, do you get that same feeling from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand nineteen? Twenty years later, uh. Obviously, I didn't get that that same feeling, and I'm uh, I ranked it a five point oh now. A little better than me, <laughs> right? Right, Brian. You want to go ahead and go? We'll let Mike go last since he picked the movie. Yeah, I did. 
Okay, sure. Um, so, and and I agree with Drew as far as you know a ranking back then would, would be different than a ranking today. Um, but I'm going to rank it a little bit higher just because of I have a lot of nostalgia for the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just say it. I have a lot of nostalgia right. for it, and so it it you know just watching it again for the fr- I almost didn't rewatch it because if this tells you anything, I watched this movie twenty something years ago. In well, I guess it was exactly what twenty years ago now. October. Um, it was in yeah, October. It, come out in the in the theater in tenth grade with a with one of my girlfriends at the time, and I could I remembered just about every single thing about it, and almost <laughs> didn't re, almost didn't rewatch it, but I was like, yeah, you know what, I'll rewatch it. So I rewatched it again, and yeah, I was right. I remembered every single thing about this movie. So mm-hmm. well, take that for good or bad, but um, I'm gonna rank it a six. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, which is a little bit higher probably than everybody else if I had to probably be honest then and that's that's basically just just on nostalgia I was not not expecting you to say six Brian I was expecting you to say seven or eight when you said I remembered it from when I first saw it I had nostalgia and then you said six I was like well okay man (laughs) you felt better didn't you Nico you felt better (laughs) a a little bit yeah Yeah. hey Brian Brian, quick question quick question um was the the the, the lady friend you took to the movies to see that, was that your now wife or was that somebody else? Somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. And uh, nine, eight, seven, six. My now would have been in fifth grade. Mike, you ready to drop that rating on us? Hey, tell hey, before that, I forgot to ask you, why did you pick the movie? Give, give us that too before uh, you give us your rating. I forgot to ask you that, brother. Uh, so the reason I picked the movie is because we we were trying to do a couple different things before we got back into slashers. Correct. Correct. So we kind of, and so we kind of done. We done possession. We done uh, vampires. And so I was like, well, we haven't done found footage. And while my favorite found footage movie is the very first Paranormal Activity, that's a little bit with the fourth kind. But either way, I, I was like, let's just go ahead and do the Grandfather. Let's go ahead and do the Godfather of, of all found footage horror movies and do the Blair Witch. That's literally what it was. It's not, it's not a movie I picked because I love it. It's a movie I picked because I feel like if we're going to cover a wide variety of genres within horror subgenres, then might as well start with the granddaddy of them all. And so that's why I picked the movie. And so uh, I was like, eh, it's something different for us, too. I, I didn't know how much we'd like it. None of us really love it. I think that's pretty clear. <laughs> um, at different times. At different right. times. I loved it back in 99. Right. Loved right. it then. Um, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Not because I don't like it, but because it doesn't it doesn't hold up well to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea, the premise of the movie, although it's a little faulty because you know that. Anyway, that's not that's not important. But I do like the plot of the movie. I think that it's been done better since, and that kind of drops it down. The sequel from 2016 is better. That drops it down, and. The in-home experience just is not the same as it probably would have been in a 1999 movie theater. So I don't have that nostalgic pull towards it. So that's all, that's all the reasons why it's at a 4.5. This It's not something that I'm going to rewatch a whole lot. Maybe every now and then to show somebody else the movie. That's about it. So it's a 4.5 for me. Good, Brian. Well, yeah, and I would have probably given it a 0.5 or even an 8 had the 2016 Blair Witch not shown me how much better it could right. have actually right. been done. Yeah. 
Hey, and, same and, here, uh, by the way. And I will give that movie a 7.5 or 8 if I watched it right now. So, yeah, you know, that says, that says a lot about that. But it, it, it affected the, the original a lot more than, than I expected it to, I guess. I really can't wait until Nico sees that movie and comes back to our group text and shits all over it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Especially after I built it up so much. I know. All of us. Yeah, all of us. It's on Prime. Y'all notice that uh, the two that actually were there for the original, like watching it in its original glory, gave it higher reviews than the two guys that didn't watch it in the original glory. To quote the great uh, Donna Godot, uh, barely. (laughs) Barely. (laughs) (laughs) You gave it one point higher than me, Drew. Well, mine, mine was strictly because of the staying power. That was the only reason I, I, I couldn't rank all these other movies saying, ah, the staying power didn't go well, and then turn around and say, just because I loved this one when it first came out, changed my whole rating system just for this one movie. Hey, Drew, let me ask you a question. Um, last week, you gave 30 Days a Night two rankings, a mm-hmm. horror ranking and a regular movie ranking. Mm-hmm. Are there two different ratings for this movie? Because uh, I can argue that this isn't even a horror movie because not shit happened at the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a... I mean, it's probably more of a... See, I think it's more of like a horror suspense movie just because nobody dies, I guess, in it doesn't make it a not a horror movie. I definitely I think say... Like, I think you could probably put this under like six categories, really, honestly. I would definitely say stuff. it's a horror subgenre. Like yeah, I would I mean, definitely it's not say like the main one right. going off of, but yeah, it's still that's the reason. I mean, yeah, it changed. I don't, I don't, I don't consider of, vampire movies horror movies. That's just that's that's. Well, my it depends thing. on the it depends on the plot. Like obviously, Twilight isn't. You know, Underworld is Underworld a horror, horror movie to you though? Uh, no, uh, I don't it's consider more it. action. I think yeah, it's more of an action. That's thriller. that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. Like last week's, that's my uh, thing. Right, and I didn't right. shit on the movie. I liked the movie. I enjoyed right. the movie. I'm just right. not a big vampire movie. Right, I'm not either. And and to be fair, I think that th- this is almost like I've said before, where like Saw kind of changed horror into something else in 2002 or three, whatever year that was. This, you know, I always say a lot of them were very scream like, but this kind of broke it up a little bit in the late 90s where we weren't getting scream. I know you did last summer, the faculty and all that stuff. Here comes something a little different. I still think it falls under the horror. It falls under the horror umbrella in a subgenre, mm-hmm. just a found footage subgenre. Like no, no I agree. I right, agree. Right. I was, you know, I was just being, you know, that guy. You know, had to be. You should though, because it. Nico is you like, should. like Drew. Explain yourself. You should though, Nico, because <laughs> Drew does that every week. Is this really a horror? Every week. <laughs> Not every week. I yeah, mean, I every week. The movie I picked. Uh, well, of course you didn't do the one you picked. Uh, we're, we're gonna find the one movie that Drew thinks is a horror film. We already day. have. One we already day. have. It's Amity the Horror. I think the biggest thing y'all forget is like, you know, I hold I hold I hold horror to like a really high bar. I think because I loved it so much because my grandmother gave me that love for it. So like when it comes to like certain movies, like there's gonna be some that I'm gonna rank really high because I love. And I'm not gonna tell you which ones those are because you have to listen to find that out. <laughs> So, um, all right, Mike. Uh, appreciate uh, you making us watch this shitty movie. Uh, we had to get it. We had to get it out of the way. Uh, <laughs> just, hey, just kidding, hey, brother. Just kidding. Just hey, kidding. it's okay with me, man. It ain't like every movie that everyone's picked so far has been my favorite thing ever. So, you know. No, I, I, I feel you. And, and honestly, 
we're going to have to review movies we don't like and movies That's, we love. We can't only do one. I'm telling you. Um, and Nico. Go ahead, brother. Before the end of 2020, I want to review Freddy's Dead. So we have a good hour and 15 minute shit fest oh. about one of the worst horror movies ever made. Okay, thanks. Lord. <laughs> but um, like I said, uh, I came here for last week or the week before. You know, we're all picking a movie each week. And then this week, next week's movie we're doing is my pick. I'm going to pick kind of a different movie as well. I don't really consider this a slasher film. I consider this, you know, you know, uh, Drew's movie was, you know, kind of like a haunting uh, movie. Uh, Brian picked a vampire movie. Mike picked a found footage. I consider this kind of a home invasion type horror movie. I don't really consider it a slasher. The second, the sequel to it, you might consider, you might start calling it a slasher. Yeah. Um, But the movie I picked is 2008's The Strangers. Um, I felt like watching a good movie for uh, once <laughs> and reviewing a good movie. We'll talk about but, it. Um, yeah, we will. But uh, yeah, my movie pick uh, is uh, The Strangers. I really, I really enjoy this movie. It's it's got a lot of the, the same nostalgia that um, Amityville Horror has with Drew. Right. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I appreciate you guys doing the show with me. I think Brian is about to pass out from having a newborn child. <laughs> yep. Um, we all truly appreciate all of you guys yes. um, tuning in. Uh, go check us out on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us a five-star rating. And we have a trivia question for you guys. And this isn't really a very hard trivia question. So, how do you, how, Drew, how do you want to answer? Tweet us? You want us to tweet us? Tweet us. Instagram. It doesn't matter. Whoever's the first to DM it anywhere or even add us is fine, too. First, the first correct answer on social media. Who was our guest on the Friday the 13th rankings episode? Who was our guest? Give us his name and you win a free t shirt. That's all you have to do. It's not hard at all. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, appreciate you guys uh, listening to us. We all really, truly love talking about these movies. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.